Shall we begin? Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of our Summer Series Differential Podcast. Um, I remain Deshokwe Dorothea, a.k.a. D-Man. And um, with me here today, we have three guests. Um, well, sorry, two guests. Uh, first of all, my co-host, Shola. Hey, Shola, how's it going? Good, good, good. Yeah, it's good to have you here. This good Sunday. Um yeah, so um, also here with us, um, Habi. Habi, how you doing? I'm all right. I'm all right. How are you guys doing? Uh, doing well, doing well. And returning after last uh, after his last feature on our podcast, um, Alex. Alex, thanks for having time for us today. How are you doing today? No, I'm very well, my bro. I'm very well. Thanks for having me again. No worries, man. You know, I like how um, Alex looks on his... Um, his Zoom profile. It's like a fully suited. Is that a waistcoat you're wearing? Yeah, you're wearing a yes, waistcoat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> His Zoom profile is so serious. And every time he talks, I see the Zoom profile looking at me. And I'm like, uh, okay, maybe I should <laughs> It's so serious. But anyways, great to have you. Great to have you on here. And um, great to be here again to chat football. Since the last time we spoke, a couple of big transfers have happened. Well, not necessarily have happened, but there have been a couple of transfers that have been close to completion. Um, so I, what I wanted to do today, um, what we are going to do today is talk a little bit about the transfers that have mostly happened um, in the Premier League and also look at especially the, the big clubs that we all support. That's Arsenal, United, Chelsea and Liverpool. Um, and then also we will also look at some other topics that are kind of going on with those four clubs. So first off, I would start off with a completed transfer that just completed recently and basically a club that's in the news pretty much all the time. Chelsea, you know, um, finished 12th. Was it 12th, Habi? Can you remind me? We finished second. What do you mean? <laughs> well, yeah, so... Um, Chelsea, you guys have completed two... Well, I think you've completed two signings now. Nkunku and Jackson, correct? Yep. The Jackson one is kind of surprising, though. Um, I mean, I felt that, you know, the the striker you guys bought in the in January, Fofana was going to get a chance this season with um, Pochettino. But it seems that Pochettino has, doesn't, is not even looking there. He's gone, he's gone ahead and bought in Jackson here. Do you know anything about this guy? No, the only thing I know towards the end of the season, his name started popping up. I okay. mean, he bagged like I think was he nine goals in his last eight games. So yeah, there was just a little bit of noise, but I don't know much about him to be honest. Oh, okay, fair enough. Yeah, I, I mean, he broke into uh, Villarreal team in twenty twenty one. Um, I haven't, I kind of, I haven't seen like any bit of him at all, so I have no comments there. But apparently, he's like a muscular kind of guys, you know, quick in the transition. You know, all that good stuff. Coming from a Villarreal team that we all know also are not like possession. They're not a possession kind of club out here, Villarreal. So it's not like... yeah. So his style of play will be suited to kind of like a transition game. But like you said, we'll see how it goes. Uh, so do you think you'll get any more strikers in after him? 
or 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 is that it? Oh no, yeah, definitely. They still get in another striker because according to what I saw, the plan was to bring in a young striker and a more experienced one, both in the same window. So yeah, I still expect one. All right, but what what does where does Nkuku fit in then? Oh yeah, that's definitely our number ten or he's struggling to play behind the striker, whether we use a front two or whatever. Oh, he's one of the first names on the team sheet. I'm ten thousand percent sure of that one. Yeah, I mean he's a, he's a freaking great goal scorer. He scored a lot of goals in Germany for um Leis um what was the name of the club? Leipzig, yeah. I was going to mispronounce it, but that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah, Leipzig. So, he scored so many goals for Leipzig and he's a very in- interesting guy. But I kind of see him as a striker. I don't know. I mean, except if you guys are going to go, what, 4-2-3-1? Does Pochettino use that often? I thought it was a 4-3-3 kind of guys. No, nah, Pochettino is a 4-2-3-1 type of guy. And Kunku could easily be his daily ally, like, easily. Hmm. No, I never actually thought of Dele Ali when you, and as soon as you mentioned, I'm like, oh, okay, that's actually very interesting. And um, while we're still on this, just speaking of tens, basically, so um, recently, my United made a a transfer offer for Mount, and I know we spoke a little bit about Mount yesterday. I mean, happy on your own sense. Do you think that Chelsea are being unreasonable by not opening that, by not accepting that offer for Mount? Yes, 10,000%. I do not get it. Okay, I get you're selling to your rival, but you're still going to sell whether I like it or not. And he's made it pretty clear he doesn't want to stay. And 55 million for someone with just one year left is pretty generous, if you ask me. So I don't really get what's going on with that. Yeah, fair enough. And um, Shola, just on, on this as well, what is the price that um, Chelsea say they want right now? What, what are they saying that they want? Chelsea wants 65. So they want 65, and you guys have given them 55 plus 5. Is it 55 plus 5? No, 50 plus 5. That's your final offer. Our offer, our final offer is 50 plus 5. They now count out with the 58 plus 7. Mm. Okay. All right. Fair enough. That that I mean, that's that a 10 million pound difference. That doesn't even sound like something that United in the past would have would have actually been like, oh, wow. They would have paid it immediately, pretty much what I'm trying to say. But right now, with that with that offer, would you... I mean, we're on group chat, so I know that you, you are not really um, up for like... You, you don't really want them to up the offer. But is, is that the same? Is that how you feel? Like, this offer is good enough and that should be it? Yeah, left to me, I felt which I walked away when they rejected the 50 million. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. We'll see how that goes. At at, the, at this point in time, we have been getting updates that are not really updates. That you know, he's staying. He's not going to. He's definitely not going to sign a contract with uh, Chelsea. Have you seen him signing one at all? If he doesn't leave, nah. If he doesn't go, we're definitely losing him for free. I mean, I don't mind that, but when you can make money, you can as well just sell. Fair enough. Fair enough. And speaking about money a little bit here, let's talk a little bit as, about Saudi and. Um, Saudi's involvement with I won't call it involvement because I read quite a few uh, I've read a few articles and a lot of financial people are saying that look there's nothing dodgy to see here with Saudi and Chelsea do you feel the same way yeah I mean there's nothing dodgy there at all but if you actually look at who they are targeting I mean it's not something that would make you go oh okay there's something shady going on uh out of the 
how many players have they brought from Chelsea so far? I think three or four. Mm-hmm. Like three are Muslims, so it makes sense. Like it fits into their lifestyle, and there are people like towards the end of their career. So there's nothing really brain busting or surprising with the type of moves they are making. I mean, the Callum Hudson Odoi one was looking kind of suspicious because <laughs> why? Hello. <laughs> right, so, okay, apart I, from that, yeah. I mean, now that you mention their religion. I kind of see see it from that angle as well. So that's 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 another angle that I didn't I didn't peep it from before. Um, and this is for Alex, by the way. Alex, the way Chelsea have been able to get rid of these high playing guys in a situation, and in, this has been happening the last few summers, where a lot of clubs are finding it hard to move on their their players who earn so high, um, who earn such huge amounts um, of salary. But then Chelsea, after just one quick week um, visit from Todd, all of a sudden are able to move four guys on. I mean, does that does that look funny to you? Or or how do you see this Chelsea-Saudi relationship? I'll, let me not say relationship because there's nothing like a, a relationship there. But how do you see it? Okay. Um, first and foremost, um, I think there is a relationship. So... Contrary mm-hmm. to what Chelsea fans keep telling us, I'm sure a simple Google search will everyone know that the PIF, their major investors in Chelsea's majority shareholder. I repeat that the PIF are major investors in Chelsea's majority shareholder. The company is called Clearly Capital. Now, I'm not saying it's dodgy or it's illegal or anything like that. But let's call a spade a spade. In the space of a month, three to four Chelsea players, regardless of if they're Muslims or Christians or even atheists, are moving to Saudi Arabian clubs. When they know that, if they do that for Chelsea, Chelsea will easily be able to avoid FFP irregularities. What does that say? It's not illegal, but it's a little bit... Mm, should that be allowed? And I guess over the next few months, slash maybe a year or two, you're going to see the FA come out when it comes to uh, deals like that. Right now, they've not put it in place. There's no regulation. So they're not in stop, stopping Chelsea. So it's smart. It's sharp. But at the same time, it's a little bit. It's a little bit dubious. But mm. I, I think Chelsea have found a loophole, which is what rich people do. Rich people have rich lawyers, smart lawyers, and they know how to find uh, loopholes. And, they, and, they're, and, they're, and they're making it happen because we can say some of these players are at the tail end of their careers. But Kulubali is not that old. ZH is not old. Mendy is not old. But they're going to Saudi Arabia. All from Chelsea. Hmm. But it, it is what it is. Yeah, the game is the game, I guess. True. Fair enough. And speaking of loopholes, I mean, it's one thing I have to give Todd. And I guess Todd is going to wake up a lot of FAs, um, governing bodies. But the loopholes that Todd has been able to, Todd and Chelsea have been able to exploit since he came in. For example, the giving of contracts of eight, nine years. You know, I thought it was, I, I didn't think it was possible for for agents of players to actually let their players sign on for that long, you know, because I, I would feel like, okay, you would want renewals as quickly as possible. Ex- what I'm guessing is that maybe in some of these contracts, there are clauses which says every two years, we have to renew the contract, stuff like that. Maybe that's what's in there. But all these loopholes that Todd has been using, I think he has been, he has been smart in that section, in that, in that, way in the sense that like he's smart enough to view these loopholes and immediately pounce on them and when he pounces on them he doesn't just pounce on them and does it for like one player 
He does it for like four, five immediately. It's like he gets it in, he rushes it, and then boom, he's done, he's complete. Chelsea have gotten away with it. So, I mean, so what do you feel about that point of view that Todd is actually, Todd and Chelsea's, let's just say, executive board are just being very smart here? Is that a question for me? Yeah, yeah, for you, Alex. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. Um, I, I, like I said, I think, they, I think they're being smart and fair play to them. They found a loophole and they're going for it. And before the FA can put, like you, like you rightly said, before they put extra scrutiny and regulations in place, Chelsea would have done what they wanted to do with this piece of loophole and would have moved on. So fair play to them. I think it's, it's been, he's been very smart. He made a lot of mistakes when he came in and he's trying to correct those mistakes by looking for ways in which he can offload his quote-unquote dead wood FFP and have enough room money-wise and space-wise to actually bring in the players that they actually want. So yeah, fair play. Yeah, fair play to him then. Good sir. We'll see how that results because I'm actually looking forward to seeing how they deal with all these players that have eight, eight, eight years, seven years, you know, all that kind of stuff. So we'll see how, how how that moves forward. And then obviously sticking on Chelsea just a little bit here, um, a little bit more. We're not going to make this a Chelsea point because obviously we don't like to discuss losers all day, you know, but... Um, <laughs> man comes second once in how many years and thinks he can he can make noise <laughs> alright but um, last, lastly um, I'm going to talk a little bit about Havertz like Havertz right now is is pretty much joining Arsenal Arsenal have not paid the money yet I'm guessing they'll pay it sometime this week so that um, Chelsea can kind of avoid more FFP um, problems Um Right now, there's a lot of talk of Havertz joining Arsenal and playing as an eighth. There was a midfield, I said midfield. There was an article by the Athletic saying that this is where Arsenal actually see him playing. I mean, Habi, what do you think about that? You've watched him for so long now. I know he's not one of your f- favorite players. Um, what do you think about him playing the eighth for Arsenal? Do you think he has the skills and ability to play there? Hundred percent, like. I have no doubt in me that he's going to be a hit in Arsenal. Mm. And the thing is, mm. his misfortune at Chelsea, I know he was an ass a lot of times, missing rubbish, but throughout his stay, there was never really stability. Because Chelsea is a very weird club. There's always chopping and changing. Yeah. So he came under Lampard. Lampard was pretty much confused. Didn't know where to play him. Just moving him up and down. Tuchel came, was using a back three, and that way there was really no suitable position for Havertz. So him too, he was just having to make do. But in Arsenal, I mean, from his skill set, how he played in Germany, was either playing as, when he was at Leverkusen, he was either playing as a supporting striker or as an eight. And with his skill sets too, I think it's a, it's a match made in heaven, and I think he's going to experience life for Arsenal. I love it there, to be honest. Fair enough, fair enough. Thank you for that. Um, I read this article about him being on the eight on the Athletic. Athletic they always have very nice articles, and it's good to go through them during the summer when there's no like football around, because then you have time to go through all the journey and all the story that it puts. You know, you know all those stories that they usually put at the beginning of each of each article. They always read like two minutes of rubbish first, but yeah. it's always <laughs> it's always very interesting. But you know, um, so I guess we can leave Chelsea now. Um, that's enough of that. Um, and I want to quickly talk a little bit uh, about United. Now, it's something that uh, we spoke about a little last time, but we didn't really delve into it. David De Gea, top keeper last, like, I won't say it was the, yeah, he had the most clean sheets. Most clean sheets, not the yeah. top keeper. But it's, 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 it's very weird that 
the keeper with the most clean sheets in a season, right after the season, there are a lot of fans from his club saying that, look, we need to move on from this guy. You know, and Shola, since we spoke last time about this, what, what has been the movement there? Has there been any movement at all? Okay, we've been hearing so many things. First of all, they're saying, some people say a contract has been agreed. Some people say a contract hasn't been agreed. The latest today was that a contract has been agreed, but there's no, but there's uncertainty on whether he's going to sign it or not. Another report says a contract has been agreed, but the United board hasn't signed off on it. So I don't know. Oh, okay. Oh, so basically, it's up in the air right now. It's Nobody up really in the air right now. What about okay? What about the search for keeper? Because I keep seeing a lot of a lot of um me- a lot of uh, messages um or reports of Onana. And I think Una- I don't know how much Onana dro- um went to Inter Milan for. I don't know if it was if he went for free. He went for free. He was for free. And he was one of the big keepers that time that I actually wanted because he had he was great with his feet. He could play football, and it looks like Inter Milan are, are willing to sell him off. Do you do you do you see is you see your, you guys going for him hard there, or is that something that you might just not be able to complete? Um. Well, according to reports, we've already met with his representatives. But I think the stumbling block right now is how much Inter wants. I think Inter are demanding like 50 million euros. And I think we're trying to pay like 30, 35. Mm. So, I mean, I think it's a deal that might be that can get done, maybe around 40. Mm-hmm. 40 million euros, which is like 35 million pounds, which is not so bad. Yeah, it's not too bad. I mean, I, I think the guy, if you are going to make the guy your first team keeper, I think you should just pay that money because the guy is that good. That's not you. Know, and Inter are going to make so much money off him, but I guess it's a case of wait and see, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a very funny situation with the goalkeeper. With the goalkeeper. Okay, fair enough. Um, and um, still on United here. Now, this is something that I thought about recently. When um clubs change their their board. They usually have like this transfer embargo for a while when nothing can get done until they get their shit together. If you if you guys if how is that looking with your board change? If your board changes, would that not affect how you guys move forward this summer? Honestly, I don't know. Um, I haven't seen anything to indicate that. I think the only thing that's close that I've seen to indicate anything is that our transfer window is being slowed down mm. by by the uncertainty of the ownership. Yeah. That's the only thing I've seen. So I don't know if how it's gonna affect once the ownership once the sale is through. I've I haven't there's been no indication of on that. So okay. And I then the, what I would also say is this is also from like our this is from my experience with Arsenal when we had this issue with like Kronke and um Usmanov there was so much uncertainty because it didn't feel like the club was heading in one direction. There were like two different factions. So once one faction gets total control, then you start to see more straightforward decisions and you start seeing the future clearly. So we'll, we'll, we'll keep looking at that. But um, one more question for Shola before I move on to Alex real quick. Timber, and I um, I can't remember his first name, but he... Urian Timber. Say that again. Urian Timber. Okay, there you go. So he, um, there's a lot of talk of, of him moving to Arsenal, and he was, 
He was supposed to move. Now, let me not say he was supposed to move, but United really wanted him last season. It looks like Ajax are able to want to sell him this summer. Do you know what kind of skills he could bring to Arsenal? Yeah, I mean, he's a he's um first of all, he's very versatile. That was number one. Um, he can play center back, either side of full back. So that's like three positions in defense already that he can play. He's really, really good on the ball as well. Yeah. You know, he, yeah. He, he, you know, he has the tenacity as well. Obviously, he's not as aggressive as the likes of like the Sandro or, or other kind of aggressive defenders, but he has the tenacity when needed. I think it'll be a very good signing for Arsenal, to be fair. Okay. Um, Is there a reason why you guys don't want to go back? Yeah, because we got Lissandro, right? Because we're looking for a player of that kind of... There's similar profiles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I can sure. add to that if you want, Shilla. I think, I think because I've, I've also been following you in team, but closely, and just to long and short, I think why my United are not going back for him is because, to Shilla's point, they're very similar, especially height-wise. Why you yeah. don't want too many, quote-unquote, uh, smallish uh, centre-backs? You don't want that, especially in the Premiership. And since you already have Lisandro Martinez, it doesn't really make much sense to get Uren Timber. That's what I personally think. Fair enough. Fair enough. And I was actually going to ask you as well, is there a reason why Liverpool are not in on this? I mean, it seems like Trent might be moving a little bit into that midfield position, though it looks like he'll be starting from that too. But there's not a lot yeah. of trust in Gomez. And if, you're not, yeah. if, if Liverpool are actually looking to have finally have a backup for him, isn't he a good backup for both sides and all parts of your defence? Hundred percent, hundred percent. If you if you've been following me on Twitter, which you have, you'd have seen that I've been crying out for you and Timba for a while now. I think because I think he solves two issues for us: centre back issue and right back issue. Mm. So for me, it's, it's tailor made for our team. He can play the inverted role as well, very well. So in a very similar way to the way John Stones plays it, that's the way he plays it. So he brings a lot. He brings a lot to the table. So I don't understand why we've shied away from that deal. There's a lot that my club are doing at the moment that's confusing me, and this is one of them because we did look at him, we liked him, we, yeah. We had talk, we yeah, we had talks with him, in fact. But for some reason, I think we pulled out, which I think is probably because of the fee. When clubs start raising the fee for us, we just quietly walk away. This is something we mm. always do. So, so I'm hopeful we have someone else up our sleeve. All right, because I mean, I mean the fees for oh sorry, sorry, but yeah, but sorry, sorry. I mean oh. the fee for Timber is being reported between like forty to fifty million euros. Liverpool, Liverpool don't spend that much. You should know my club by now. Like <laughs> forty to fifty, and they'll be like, okay, see you later. Then they'll go, they'll go look for one young eighteen-year-old boy for eight, that costs eight million, and it wouldn't work out, and we'll loan him out. Like, okay. like, with Ramsey. Dude, I have to call you out a little bit because you guys have spent 40 million already this summer, McAllister. Right? Okay. And okay. You, yeah, you guys have spent 40 million. And in the last few transfer windows, uh, did you sign? You, you did sign anybody in January, did you? I don't remember. Gakpo. I don't think you did. Oh, yeah. You, yeah Gakpo. Yeah. Gakpo was like, what? 35 40. So, I mean, if you had 35 40, why is 35 40 something that Liverpool will shy away from at this time? Especially for a role that has been so important and so highlighted this season with threats. Um, I'm, like I said, unless my guess is they're looking for someone different. That can be, that, that's the only, that's the only thing I can say because if not, there's not a reason why we shouldn't be looking at someone like him. I've heard, Bill, I've, I've heard some rumors that were looking at the likes of Walker Peters at Southampton. We might be able to mm-hmm. get him cheaper because they're relegated. So are we going to get right back? Um, I'm pretty sure we will because James Milner has left 
and 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 Ramsey has gone on loan. So we've only got Trent there. And like you said, if we're going to start playing Trent more and more in midfield, we definitely need another right back. So I don't know why we didn't we didn't go for Aaron Timber. Hmm. I mean, one thing I did notice is that, and it actually made your defense better, was when you played um, Trent. When Trent started going to midfield, Konate started covering behind Trent, and Konate is a yeah. faster, quicker, better defender yeah. than Trent. And obviously, yeah. that made that side not as bad as it was when it was just Trent covering it. Maybe, yeah. uh, maybe Klopp continues with that tactic. We don't know, but it was quite clear that you know Konate had a bigger, much more bigger role to play defensively in that um in that situation now to stay yeah. on liverpool a little bit here and this is something that was going on throughout last season you know a lot of liverpool fans on twitter yourself as well where where we're, we're kind of not we're, not let me just say we're kind of you were not satisfied satisfied with the season the season started it, it right in the middle it got really bad at some point and Club found a way to kind of like galvanize and almost get you back in the Champions League, which obviously did not go well. There's a lot of anger at Liverpool fans to the to the club, the 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 board running the club, and sometimes to club, even though in the last few months it has kind of calmed down a little bit more, you know, because obviously when you win games, you know, you get a lot of people on your side. You know, it's 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 good like that. But um Whenever I heard like Liverpool fans crying, I was like, yo, you guys have had like six, seven years of continued success. Why are you guys so annoyed with people that continue to bring you this this success? So could you shed a little bit of light on, on what is going on with the Liverpool board? Why do Liverpool fans not want so much change at this point in time? Okay. Um, I'll try and keep this very succinct. I'll yeah. use a few examples to start with. Look at Man City. He just mm-hmm. wanted league. In fact, he just wanted treble. And what are they doing? They're about to spend 200 million at the very least on Guavio, Rice, and Kovacic. That's mm-hmm. what you do when you're at the top. Look at Real Madrid when they won where when they won the Champions League. What did they do? They went to buy Shumeni and whatnot. They wanted to buy Mbappe. Look at Arsenal, who came second. What have you gone to do? You've gone to bring in Kai Havertz. You hopefully might bring in Declan Rice, Uriel Timber. So the, I guess the point I'm trying to make here is that when people keep saying, Well, these are people that gave you success, why are you not yelling at them? Why are you complaining? When you're at the top, you don't let up. That's just the way it works. You can't be at the top, then you start doing nothing. Because what then happens is that the guys beneath you start catching up with you. And the guys you're fighting with, like Man City, mm. leave you behind. It's as simple as that. When we won the Premiership, we didn't buy anyone. When we won the Champions League, we bought three youngsters. One of them was Sand Verberg. Look at last season, for example, when we nearly everyone said we nearly won the... Uh, we nearly, became immortal with four trophies. Who did we end up buying? We bought four players. Out of those four players, three of them are gone, by the way, or about to go. So Arthur's gone, Ramsey on loan, Cavalli on loan, and Nunez is second fiddle to Gapo. So again, disaster window. So mm. our, the, fa- the fans have seen this regression over the past three, four years. We've just been covering cracks. That's what's been happening, I'll be honest. Obviously, we enjoyed the ride. We've got a fantastic manager who was obviously... Uh, of, had a blinder with what, what he's had but we've seen as fans obvious cracks in the team which we've been saying sh- needed to start being filled but the club have just been negligent along the way if you remember very well for example we sold Lovren three years ago and we went to this season with three centre-backs two of whom are injury prone Matip and Gomez what did we end up having? a centre-back crisis you remember three years ago so yeah, it's little yeah. things like that yeah 
It's, it's little things like that. We're complaining about the midfield. The midfield has a massive issue where we don't have anyone in the middle. The, so half of them are too old, half are too young. And the ones that are in the middle are injury prone in Keita and Ox. So now we've sold Keita and Ox. The ones that are old, we've got rid of one in Milner. So, but we've still got a lot of old ones in Thiago and Henderson. They're 32, 33. So we've got the young ones, Javi Elliott and Curtis Jones in 19s and 18s and Pachetic. We don't have that sweet spot between 23 and 27. Now we've got McAllister. So we were asking the club to add two more. We're not asking for too many players or too much. Two more players who can give us game time. I think that's what's key, game time. When I looked at Arsenal last season, the likes of Xhaka, Odegaard and Thomas Partey, Apart from Thomas Partey, I'm sure the other two played minimum 30 games Premiership. Liverpool mm-hmm. don't have any midfielder who can give you 30 games solid a season until now, McAllister, obviously. So it's things like that. We've seen this book so many times. So we already know what's going to happen. Matip, injury prone. Uh, Gomez, injury prone. Even Konate is injury prone, which is mm-hmm. why I was shouting for a centre-back. Not because the players we have are maybe bad players, but just... We know what we, we know what they can't give us lockwise in terms of injuries, and we know what some of them can't give us quality-wise. So all we ask the club to do is not go and buy Mbappe or buy Ronaldo. We're not asking for that. We'll push the boat a little bit because we're a huge club. We're bringing in money. I can bring our numbers, and you see. But unfortunately, the way the ownership structure is is in such a way that we, it's almost like a sell-to-buy type of club to an extent. Everyone says, oh, we brought in Nunes. Guess what? We sold money. Oh, you brought in Gapo. Guess what? We knew Firmino was going. So, we mm. did, oh, oh, we brought in Thiago. Guess what? Ginny left. So, it's always, as if one is coming, one is going. If one is coming, one is going. That's the way it is. And I get it. If you want to upgrade, fair enough. But at the same time, if you've got gaps within your team, you need to make sure you fill those gaps. If not, you get left behind. Okay, can I ask a question about that? Yeah, yeah. Cool. So, who who should get the blame there? It shouldn't it be the ownership or like the management? Yeah, yeah. I think I, it's I, the reason I'm asking is because I see Klopp gets a lot of stick, which personally I think is unfair. Okay, I'll tell you. I'll tell you why he gets stick because a lot of fans are now starting to give him more and more stick. He gets stick because he's almost quote unquote a yes man. He doesn't look like a yes man, but he, he's a yes man. Klopp is the kind of person that will come out and. Uh, and say, oh, we don't need more midfielders. Everyone we've got is good. He said it last season. There's a, there's a, there's a video I can send to you guys where he's, he listed all the midfielders that we had and gave us the reason why we didn't need a midfielder. But this was the same man, right? Three weeks ago, he, he put in the bid for Aurel and Shiomeni. So make it, that make sense for me. So a lot of Liverpool fans are angry with Klopp because he doesn't, I'm not, he doesn't call out the club hierarchy enough. And no one is saying he should go full-on content mode. No one is even saying that. But there are same ways you can start putting out fillers. Even Ten Hag has been the man for less than two years. And I'm sure you know what he was saying towards the back end of last season, saying you guys need to buy, yeah. you need to spend. Klopp never says that. So if I'm an owner and my manager is not even putting pressure on me, I'll, 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 keep, my, I'll keep my wallet in my pocket. It's as simple as that. But if Klopp starts putting pressure on them, and you got to remember that this is, not, this is not Tim Sherwood. This is Jurgen Klopp. So he can command that. That he can demand and command that respect and say, okay, I need this. We'll, Barella, we've got a hole, that right hand side. Henderson cannot do it. I want Nico Barella. Please put 70 million bid. If, if he starts putting that type of pressure on them, they will spend. So obviously, the, the fans hate the owners. That's why you keep saying FSG out. But we know that club can do more. He can demand more. He can, if he really puts pressure on the owners, they will spend. And he doesn't do that. That's the reason why fans are on his neck as well. Okay. Mm. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. I, I, that, that's a lot. And 
you know, funny enough, when you put it like that, and I, I see the reasons, when you put it like that, I can understand the reasons why. Why? The main reason there is when you are winning, you are supposed to spend more. That's the yes. way it is in the Premier League. Yeah. You cannot let up. You cannot let up. Once you are winning, you have to go in hard. I mean, Man City won the league last season. What did they do? They brought Haaland. You get yes. a game changer. Exactly. So, so, they, so it's like, well, if you are winning, you have to buy something. The, the issue, well, it's not an issue, but it's just, I feel like the style of management that Klopp has is the kind that he has so much faith and loyalty in his players that to him, chopping and changing so quickly is not his style. His style is pretty much a style of, you know what, I have all of you and I'm going to make all of you better. I'm not going to go out and spend so much money unless... I desperately need it. So which yeah. positions do you feel like Klopp needs to to be more um is it brutal or yeah. brutal sounds like sounds like yeah. Yeah. which which yeah. which positions do you think Klopp needs to go in harder this season to replace? Yeah. Okay, I'll um and, and I have told you on uh, Shola this offline. I think across the entire team we need we need changes. So in my personal opinion and a lot of fans have said this, best case we need another right winger. We need two midfielders. We need two centre-backs and a right-back. So that's five players. But I said best case. And I know you don't really, you don't fix all your issues in one window. So granted. So in my honest opinion, for us to actually compete next season, we need one right-back, one centre-back, or a player that can play centre-back and right-back, such as Uren Timber, which is why I was really keen on him. Then mm-hmm. we then need two, two midfielders in addition to McAllister which I think we, we will get, then I feel we need a right winger because Salah cannot go on forever. In a similar mm-hmm. situation that man you have with Bruno Fernandes, Salah plays week in, week out. He's now in his 30s. We need to start looking at succession plan. No one is saying we play Salah tomorrow. No one is saying that. But we've got five forwards now and most of them love the centre or the left. We don't have anyone for that right wing. So we need to start looking at a young player like Sherky, for example, like Leon. That's just a name to throw out there. Mm, Someone nice. who could come in and really just start learning from Salah. Because in the next two years, Salah will probably be gone. Probably to Saudi mm. Arabia. So this is now the time we need to start looking at that. I'm being honest. Because, because, if we, because what Liverpool like to do is like we, keep our, we keep piling our issues. Because think about it. We don't start ha- having succession plans for Van Dijk and Salah this summer. What will happen next summer? We'll need to. If I'm, in addition to the other issues we will have, if you know what I'm trying to say, which is why I like yeah. proactive clubs. That's why I love what, when I see clubs being proactive. And I don't want to make this an Arsenal uh, thing or anything, but I love the way Ateta is very proactive in this thing. Don't yeah, wait. Look at Thomas, Thomas Party. Yeah, but anyway, mm. that's the way I see it. So we, ideally, we need six players. But yeah. for us to compete, we need three players to come in between now and the end of the transfer window. And so two midfielders, one right back slash centre back. And I think we'll be able to at least go. So mm-hmm. is that in addition? Alex, is that in addition to McAllister? Yes, in addition so to McAllister, basically so, four players in total. Yes, exactly. So four players in total because the the two midfielders that I feel should come in, two of them will be starters. It will be one of them plus McAllister will be the starter plus um what's his name uh, Fabinho. So my midfield going to next season would be Fabinho, McAllister, and the other midfielder. I don't know who that is, but that should be the starting midfield. Then the third, the last midfielder will be a squad player. And I say that because we've seen the history. Henderson and Thiago, in my opinion, are one player because both of them will give you about 15 games per season. So that's one player. That's the way I look at it. So we need two more midfielders to come in. 
But Alan Shingo have Elliot that could deputize for Salah, and that's more of club not using him. And, and I agree with that. But when you look at Harvey Elliott's attributes, the issue club has with Harvey Elliott, and Liverpool fans have said this, is we don't know if he's a right winger or if he's an eight. And that's the issue. Anytime he plays as an eight, the midfield looks imbalanced because we keep game broken at and, and in transition. Simply because he doesn't have the legs fair enough to play the club's type of football. Then if you now stick him out, out wide on a right wing, Unfortunately for him, he doesn't have the pace or trickery to get away from 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 uh, from fullbacks. And you guys know the way the Premiership is going now. Your wingers need to be able to play not as wingers now, but now as forwards. Look at Saka, Martinelli. Look at um, um, look, if you look through the teams. If if your if your forward, uh, your wide forward is playing like a winger, it it really really restricts what you can do goal wise. And to an extent, that's what man you're suffering a little bit with Anthony because I think. Yes, because I, a lot of fans have said that he doesn't really have the pace. Yes, he, he his left foot is powerful or no. But when you lack that pace, which is what Harvey Elliott lacks, you can't do it. Imagine imagine taking off Salah and bringing Harvey Elliott. Like the downgrade, the drop-off. It's crazy. Harvey Elliott should be, should be somewhere, somewhere out on loan, come back in a year or two and see what he can give us. But right now, his best position, unfortunately, is a 10. And Liverpool don't play with a 10. And that's another reason why I was sending this boy out, uh, Fabio Cavallo. His best position is a 10. Club doesn't play with 10s. So anytime I see us being linked with number 10s and whatnot, I'm always scratching my head. He's not. He, club doesn't play with a 10. And I remember I told Shola and Dima this a while back that I feel Javi Elliott should mold his game to Martin Odegaard, who is almost like a 10 slash 8. That's the only way we, uh, Javi Elliott can excel in Liverpool team. Fair enough. I mean, so what was the point of buying um, Cavalio then? If he, if he, I mean, if he's only going to play a 10... And the, I think Klopp actually tried to play a 10 at the start of last season and gave it up. He gave it up, exactly. I'm, 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 I'm happy you, you, you mentioned that. And if you notice, he tried to do it and he gave it up because he just, didn't, he just didn't suit what he was trying to do. And I think the only way a 10 will work in Liverpool's team today is if he has two combative midfielders as a pivot. So imagine we had a Kaisedu and a Shumeni in midfield. He can mm. play a 10. But unfortunately, mm-hmm. we have Fabinho that doesn't have legs. He has never had legs. He's just been very smart, but he's never had legs. Imagine having Fabinho and Henderson. You cannot play mm-hmm. ten. So you see, yeah. that's the reason why we keep we keep getting overrun the midfield. There's a lot. There's a lot of little intricacies that club could have done and should still do. All right, fair enough. So, do you expect any transfers to be completed soon? Yeah, there's one I think will happen. Um, uh, Kevin Turam. I think he's one. Um, that one we've been we've been chasing that one for a while, and if I'm gonna put money on one happening, I think it will be that one. Unfortunately, in my honest opinion, I like him as a player. I just don't see where he fits in. That's okay. the issue. I just don't see where he fits in because <laughs> yeah, because because we need what we need is someone. He has legs, he has all that, but he favors the left. And guess what? That's where McAllister favors. And guess what? We have mm. Jones there, who is looking good. What we need someone for desperately, someone who can put Henderson on the bench. So it's that right-hand side of the eight. And that's why I really, really, really wanted Mason Mount. But well, obviously, okay. he's, going to, he's going to Man U, so fuck him. Yeah, Sorry, there you go. <laughs> Chelsea player just catching, just catching a straight bullet there. <laughs> just catching the nice straight. But then, um, Alex, there's not a lot of talk about more players leaving Liverpool, though. That's the thing. There's not a lot, not a lot of talk of a lot of players leaving Liverpool. And for you to bring in these, these players, at least you need to have at least one or two more exits from your yeah, midfield and your defense. Yeah, have you, for, have you forgotten that we've lost four players already? 
you might have forgotten. Yeah. Well, I mean, those ones were scraps now. I know, no, I know, but I'm looking at it from a squad perspective. Oh, like, from a squad. Okay, yeah, go on. Yeah, yeah, people keep forgetting. You need a 25 oh, man squad. We've lost four players already, and there are two players that were certified that are going to be going. Nat Phillips is going to be going. Fabio mm-hmm. Cavalli are going to be going. So that's going to be six players shot already. Then you're going uh, to have so. the likes of the likes of Matip, the likes of um, Gomez. There's still going to be talk of them going. Who knows? If a, if a good bit comes in, we'll probably sell Matip or Gomez. I think if a good bit comes in, we'll sell Matip. We'll keep Gomez because it's homegrown. So all of a sudden, seven man deep. So when I'm saying we need four or five players, there's a reason why. We're not, we're not Chelsea. We're, we're going to go to Europe next season. Sorry, Chelsea catching another straight. We've got Europa, <laughs> so we've still got a lot of games to play. <laughs> Abby, are you okay? Ah <laughs> <laughs> right, man, yeah. right, man. Fair, enough, fair enough, fair enough. You know that that was all very interesting. And the fact that you you were able to to trace Chelsea straight bullets in that in that in that mix was 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 really nice. I like that. All right, fair enough. So last thing before before I move on from Liverpool here, um, Van Dyke's or um, aura. Do you see it coming back this this season that is coming? No, Do you no, see him doing I better? I don't. I don't. I don't. You, you I know. I know at first. I try to defend the man. I try to defend him <laughs> with everything I had. I sure I know that more last season I defended him. But I think I think I I think it's done. Not mm. done at the top level, but done as uh oh premiership looking in. I think he's just gonna be any other defender now. I personally think that. And it's the attitude I see in him. I think he's almost he almost feels I've 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 won every trophy, all been mm. just once. This mm-hmm. is where I see him play because and I because I thought, okay, you know just a Liverpool team, the whole team isn't playing poorly. But I, I watched him last three weeks last ago week. for, for Netherlands last week. Yeah. And it's still the same lax daisy attitude where he doesn't, if, it's almost like when Trent didn't want to defend that right back. I'm now moving to midfield and he's energized again. It's almost as if Van Dijk wants to play in midfield. I don't know. Because he's like, he doesn't want to defend. He sees the attacker coming and he's just, he's almost saying, yeah. do your worst. Um, that, so, so, so I don't know if it's a mind thing, but that needs to shift quickly and maybe it's because he feels there's no one that is challenging him for his position again back mm. to the point i was making earlier look at city because right now ruben diaz and co might be thinking i'm the shit i'm the shit but guess what the creation is coming they'll all sit up again so it's little so, things like that to add to that point you said i like that point that you gave about he thinks i think it, there's some players right in, in certain clubs that's you know they've 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 earned like maybe legendary status, right? And they they get to the point of like when they when they know that there's no real competition, they fall off. Yep. Like I think it's very possible that's happening to Van Dyke. It's very very possible because let me give an example with David De Gea two seasons ago. You know, I've been this De Gea thing. I've been saying it that we need to let him go for about two years now. But the season when it was made, it was that Dean Henderson was supposed to come and challenge him was probably his best season in the last five years. Yeah, I remember. When you saw that there was actually going to be proper competition. Competition, yeah. Yeah. So I think sometimes that thing, sometimes it's some, some of these great players, right? Because obviously Van Dyke is great, despite how much I troll him, and despite how much I dislike him, I'm not gonna say he's not a great player. He's a great player. Um, 
sometimes you just need a serious someone to pose a serious threat. Yep. Yeah, fair enough. And uh, I mean, just linking this to City a, a bit. Remember when um, when Laporte came in? I think was it last season or two seasons ago when Laporte had this really mad season where everybody was okay. Yeah, this guy is a mainstay in Chelsea in um, City's team, <laughs> and then easily he got bumped. Easily he got bumped, and it's crazy the standards that Man City have, which is actually quite mad. Their standards are so high, and their players do so well for them. I mean, the guy brought in Pep brought in Akonji, and Akonji looked like one. He looked like a beast. We bought him in for fifteen million, and he looked so well in the system. So that's another point I want to bring out as well, Alex. As well, maybe Klopp needs to fix his system to work better for Van Dijk with his age, and you know he's getting old. He can't sprint, or he can't go as fast as Thank he used you. to. Maybe he's not as reactive. So maybe Klopp needs to change his system. I mean, what one thing that Pep Thank does you. constantly is changing his system. One throughout the season, it changes it. Abby, you want to you want to contribute? Yeah. If I could speak about that, I think there are two people at blame. Before I even get to club with that, number one is Liverpool's recruitment team. Because yeah. firstly, like Alex said, getting Fabio Cavalli, getting a ten when you don't necessarily use one, that makes no sense. And maybe since Liverpool lost Michael Edwards, they've been crazy. Maybe just maybe. And secondly. Van Dijk's issue isn't necessarily a club thing. If you look at the way he used to defend before his injury, Van Dijk was fast. He had that recovery. So even when he's jockeying, he could give you space and meet up. But now, post-injury, he has lost that first step. So Van Dijk is a tad bit slower and he can't keep defending that way. He's just not the same player. So it's not really on club to figure out a way to, it's about Van Dyke actually realizing I'm not that guy quote and unquote anymore and actually fixing up. So yeah, needs, but, yeah. Yeah, go on, Alex. No, no, I'm just going to say, and I hear what you're saying and you're, you're spot on, but at the end of the day, it goes back to the manager though. And I'm sure you guys can understand what I mean about that. It goes back to the manager. Van Dyke is never going to come out and say, guess what, uh, Jürgen, I'm not, I don't think I'm good enough or I don't think I could do what I used to do before. Every You always, it's like when, no matter how tired you are, if you're playing football, you always say, your coach, you can keep playing. You might be injured, you say you can keep playing. Sometimes the manager needs to save you from yourself. And what I mean yeah. about that is, your club is the one that sees them in training every day, every day in, day out. If, if, if the four of us can see that he has lost that yard of pace, if you can see that, okay, he's not good on the turn anymore, what do you do? You either change your tweak your system, and which is what Pep did, or you go and get somebody else to support him. It's that simple. There's so many players out there in the market you can actually go get someone else because Van Dijk, as bad as he is, he's still our best defender. And, if, and for me already, that gives me shivers going into mm. next season. If Van Dijk is your best defender and he has fallen off a tad bit, imagine what, what's going to happen next season. So if Klopp has any sense, and again, it's not just Klopp because he can't just go by. He needs to demand, going back to... So everything is linked. He needs to demand from the owners. Listen, I need a Guavio. Like, right now, we need another game-changer. We need another Van Dyke in defence. Konate is good. My issue with him is that, too, he's still young and he's quite injury-prone. So, mm-hmm. he's going to miss quite a number of games next season, which means next season we're going to see a lot of Gomez and Matip. And mm-hmm. they've fallen off for different reasons. Gomez injuries, Matip just age. Because Matip and Van Dyke are the same age. So, they're getting on. So, yeah. when you look at it, like, there's a lot, there's a lot there to do. There's a lot to unpack. And it goes down to the manager to try and figure it out. And you can figure it out by doing one thing. Just buying. 
Yeah. You can you can buy it. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> I love. I, I I think to be honest, Van Dyke. I think one on one. If you have Van Dyke close to the penalty box, and some if you have Van Dyke one on one, he could easily defend. He could easily defend you one on one when he's not fighting against the pace. But like you said, against the pace is bad. I've seen like people take him on the run, and he's just he's just everywhere. But um, le- we'll talk a little bit more about Liverpool. Hopefully, they make a few more tra- um transfers or signings before Amen. our next <laughs> for our next podcast. <laughs> you know, and hopefully we'll see what happens with Van Dyke there. Um, is it yeah? I got that right, Van Dyke. Yeah. So um, yeah. moving on from that, I guess we could fo- we could look a little bit more at some of the transfer stories that is going around the rumors, and I'll be able to talk to you a little bit about Rice. Now Rice came up from Chelsea, I believe, but you guys let him go at the moment. West Ham are playing a, a good game. I mean, from the beginning of the summer, I knew this was what they were going to do, and once the chairman came out and said, "Hey, Rice is available for." Rice is available. I knew that this guy is about to up the price. You know, he's just the the final that they won allowed them to package more, more, more on him. And I feel that price that they put on him, hundred million plus, is something that either City or Arsenal, one of them, are going to have to meet. Um, have you in your own thinking of? Um, did you ever like? watch Rice while he played on a youth football for you guys? Or was this just someone that just moved and no one even knew he moved? Yeah, I think he moved way before he even became half the player he, he is today. So there are no memories yeah. of him at Chelsea. All right, fair enough. Fair enough. And with, with how do you see it going though? Arsenal and um, and City. And obviously Chelsea are kind of still in this, even though even with their FFP problems. They are kind of still in it. Or is this something that you feel like Chelsea are not going to and they are focused on Caicedo? Uh, nah, trust me. Rice and Chelsea is done. There's no... There's nothing there. It's 100% Caicedo. It's 100% Caicedo. And it's so funny. This is for like Alex and Shola as well. Rice is a player that both teams can actually use. United could use Rice and Liverpool could do with a, with a big, strong midfielder like that. But it seems like Everybody only the yeah, there Everybody you go. In the world I know, man. You put some, mm-hmm. you put some pepper on it, and you have some jollof rice. So what are we talking about here? So... <laughs> but you know, it, it's crazy that um, Liverpool are not even slightly remote, remotely interested in that deal, and United are not even are not even looking at it. So Shola, in your own thinking, is is rice something that you feel like? United could do with the player himself. And do you actually see him going to Arsenal instead of City? Well, first of all, United are looking at Rice. Oh, there you go. But the problem with Rice is the price. Yeah. You know, the price is way too much. Like, United, we have an outside chance. Like, I'll be shocked if we get Rice this summer. If I think he's going to go to Arsenal simply because he'll get He'll have a bigger role at Arsenal than City. That's just my own guess. That even if City and Arsenal both have their bids accepted, I my gut feeling just tells me that he'll stay. He'll stay within London and go to Arsenal because I mean, you know, Arsenal have a nice young core as well. You know, you have the, the ages, right? You know, City are quietly aging. Yeah, so they people are. don't realize. Could be, you know, Maris in his thirties. Um, KDB is in his thirties. Gundogan was thirty-two and he left. Um, Tal Walker is in his thirties. So, 
City are quietly aging. Even though, yes, we know that City will obviously replace like they always do, but... Yeah, fair enough. On that tip, but with United, obviously, I think we can use a player like Declan Rice. Like, you, you've... Uh, it's no secret that I rate him. I just don't feel like he's worth the amount that's being called. But, uh, but again, that's the way the market is now. Right, you, fair want, you want a player, you got to pay up. <laughs> you got to pay that money. You want a player, like, you got to pay up. So that's just the way the market is. But I, I think he's one of the best players in this position in the league. And I think he will elevate any team he joins. That's good. Fair enough. And um, another player that City are trying, I mean, Rice, we'll see what happens there. Um, there's still a little bit of time. Looks like West Ham are trying to make um Arsenal make that bid. All I can say is West Ham too. Don't worry. One day you come along looking for a player and they'll run you around like this. That's all I'll say there. But um, looking at the <laughs> other the other player that Chelsea are looking for, are looking at. So I said Chelsea, City are looking at, and it's in the paper that like a lot. It's they're gonna sign him. What's his name again? Gavid Dor. Yosko. 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 There you go. So, I mean, with you, Alex, Robertson is getting old, he's getting on. That's the kind of player that can change that left side for you. He could make, he could actually be the one to do the running for somebody like Van Dyke, make him better, make your team a whole lot better. But Liverpool are definitely not going to pay that money, are they? Are they and are they, is there any rumors that Liverpool are interested in that guy? I uh, uh, if you see my face now, I'm crying. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not even joking. I'm crying. I've, I'm sure I would have told him. I've, I've wanted this guy for time. And guess yeah. what? He's a Liverpool fan. He's a Liverpool he's a fan. Liverpool yeah. Fan. yeah, yeah. He's a Liverpool <laughs> fan. He, 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 he has said it. Come get me. He can play like he said, left back, centre back, and he will elevate the back line because he won't come and be faced by Van Dijk. He'll come and say, "I'm coming to take your spot." And on top mm. of that, on top of that, something else that people are. I've not really noticed when it comes to our back line. We don't have any left-footed centre-back and it's an issue, which is mm. why I've been crying. I've been crying for Chelsea's Levi Corwell because he's mm. a left-footed centre-back because that hinders our game because Van Dijk, he plays on that side, but he's actually a right-footed centre-back. So a lot, of, a lot of times he brings the ball back in and he does that whole cross-field pass to Salah. Mm. But imagine we had, imagine we had a left-footed centre-back who could once, once Alex, because Alisson can play already. So imagine giving your centre back who doesn't need to break his stride or come back inwards. You could, it's just little, little subtle things that a lot of people tend to overlook, but that's key. So, which is why I said one, well, I would love a player like him. And I know we can't get him because we're not going to, one, we're not going to pay that amount of money. Two, once other clubs start looking at him, Liverpool don't get involved in bidding wars. I personally would go to Chelsea, offer them 50 million for Levi Cowell. Put on the table, take him. It's not enough. It's not Sadly, sadly, it's not enough. But I'm just trying to show you. And but but we're linked to we linked to another Dutch centre back from Wolfsburg, Van der Bin or something. Yeah, we're linked to Van der Bin. He's he's massive. He's like six foot four or something. Ooh, nice. But but from Wolfsburg, like I've, I've watched him play. He's he looks decent. But right now, I don't want decent. I want I want certified. Unfortunately, we don't play in that kind of market. So yeah, to your, to answer your question, we're not going to be involved in the player like Guavio, and we're just going to see what we can get. Hmm. Um, I, I, Habi, I'm going to keep you on here for like um. So this 
Colwell. I mean, Brighton came with, it, with an offer of what? 30 million? Quarter yeah. dimension, 100 million for Caicedo, which is obviously a joke. So, I mean, I I could have sworn Chelsea nearly signed Gabidol last last summer. Or am I mistaken there? No, 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 you're right. It's what the... Yeah, so what happened there? What happened to that deal? Bro, I don't know. Leipzig wanted way more and it was I think it was just a little bit too much. So we we walked away. I think he even renewed, was it last January? Yeah, yeah, he was about to yeah, move yeah. to you guys, and then all of a sudden I heard that he renewed. Yeah, so well, I don't know, Leipzig they're difficult to deal with sometimes. Okay, fair enough. And um, okay, so staying on Colwell though, what what is the price do you guys think you're asking for Colwell? Because you have bad bitch playing in your and that's bad your Shelly. <laughs> <laughs> we killed that that guy was some FPL stores, but you have him with the left footed center back, and now you, you have Colwell that is going to be coming back from Brighton. How do you see that going? I know one of them is injured, but do you see Colwell taking that, that first team spot? Yes, I do. And that's and that's not necessarily because of how good he is yet, but it's more of a we want you to stay type of thing. Ah, ah, fair enough. Chelsea giving a, a youth player a chance. That, that's, that's different, but I can see that happening. One of the reasons why I actually see that happening is uh, Pochettino is actually someone that likes to play with youngsters. You know, yep. he, he loves he loves playing with youngsters. So I can see him deciding that, look, there's no point this guy playing elsewhere. Just come play for us, which is fine. And he's actually good, to be fair. So there's that. Yeah, he's all right. He's all right. Funny, the thing about it is that people that use left in today's football... They come at such a premium and not all of them, like a lot of them are not, are, are pretty, like if they used right, they'll be pretty average. But yeah. because they use left, their skills look a lot better. It's kind of like, um, what's his name? Anthony. Anthony for United. That guy is not, that guy is an average guy for me. But yeah, he uses left leg. He uses left leg. And the fact that he uses left leg means he's going to be in high demand. And that's just the way it is. So, Moving away from all these big clubs, let's talk a little bit about some of these small clubs and we can finish up there. Um, some of the big signings that have been made by some of these, um, not small clubs, let's just say clubs that are not, um, that don't feature with us, a um, little bit lower than Totem Pole. I'm not going to mention Spurs, but um, Tonali, for example, has moved from AC Milan to Newcastle. That's a big deal. I mean, a lot of people, and I know, Abi, you watch a lot of Italian football. I think Tonali yeah. is a really good player. You know, I think so. so him, for him to go, yeah, for him to go so quietly to Newcastle as well, with nobody else interested, that, that came as a shock to me. I mean, how did you see that deal? I mean, that's a great deal for Newcastle because as good as Tonali is in himself, this is also going to have a ripple effect in pushing Bruno further forward. I mean, as a six, Bruno was doing very well. But that's the thing. It still wasn't his best position. So now that they would actually get Tonali as a natural DM and is also good with the ball, are pushing Bruno higher up. I mean, Newcastle just keep making moves that make so much sense and it is baffling. Well, I mean, but when I watched Tonali though, most of the time when I saw him play for AC Milan, he seemed to be the guy that was kind of like pushing forward. Wasn't that like, I mean, he gets, he gets forward quite a bit, doesn't he? Yeah, that's the thing. When they play the double pivot of him and Benacer, so they, like, take turns. You know how it was with, like, Rice and Suchek, like, last season, yeah. two seasons ago? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. yeah. Like ah, okay. Fair enough. 
pen or so they take turn. All right, so and if you are playing the double pivot, the double pivot of of what's it called? Of well, they don't play double pivot. They play um eight two eight. So, so nah, they play yeah. Oh, oh, Newcastle or Isimwa? Yeah, Newcastle, Newcastle. Newcastle. Oh, yeah, Newcastle yeah, yeah. They do two eights. And I know they are still. I'm not sure. Well, let's see what happens. I think they are still in the search for one more midfielder. So maybe Willock will start getting bench. We'll see how that goes. But I that tonally such a big move for them. They make quiet. They are making quiet moves there. And one other news that has been floating around. I don't know how true it is. Is that, and I'll bring you in on this, Alex. Is that they are looking at getting Ruben Neves on loan. I mean, that has to be the ultimate dodgy move right there. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> I mean, is it that dodgy? Because this is my mm. problem with, um, should I say, English fans or English yeah. English football body as a whole. Because remember um, Watford, Udinese and Granada, they're yeah. all owned yeah. by the family. Correct. So, That's I correct. I mean, um, Delphore has played for two out of the three teams. Yeah. Pereira has played for, I think, the three of them. So, like, mm. these guys always did deals between themselves and nobody bat an eyelid. But when mm. it's suddenly people that can come and compete, and this is the same thing you've been doing since, like, basically bullying every other person. But now that it is being done to your crying wolf, so I don't really get it. Mm, that's a very that's actually a very good point because I do know of, of the clubs that you're talking about and they actually do move their players around yeah they just do quite frequently they mm-hmm. do it frequently yeah. so it's not it's not actually that bad but it's just it just seems kind of and maybe I shouldn't see it as dodgy the fact that even though Saudi acquired Ruben Neves the fact that they are willing to loan him back to Newcastle it really shouldn't be a problem should it I mean um Alex what do you think about that I see what you guys are saying. And to be honest with you, like I said, it's not illegal. But when you look at it from the angle of Al-Hilal, I think that's what the club is called. They are owned by um, the PIF. And the PIF have an 80% stake in Newcastle. Hmm. Um, so, it's the same point. It's not illegal. But some there's almost like code of practice, code of conduct. There's some of these unwritten rules that we feel every club should abide by. But if it's not your rule book, they don't necessarily have to abide by it. But when you have an entity that has stake in two, and I get what you're saying, I'll be okay. I'll, I'll let you come back. Yeah. No, I thought to ask you a question. Yeah, I'm going to say, is it any different from what the puzzle family does? It's not, to be fair. And it's not. But I'm saying when it comes to England, you know how in England we like looking at ourselves as um, righteous and our moral standards are almost at the, at the highest. And so that's what I'm trying to say. It's not illegal. There's nothing illegal about it. It's just we like looking at things like anything that feels remotely dodgy. We don't want to be associated with it. That's mm. and and like I say, if they found a loophole, fair enough. If, if the PIF feel we can move one player from one club to another, they own stake in both clubs. There's not. There's absolutely nothing wrong with it, in my opinion. But when it comes to uh, when when it just comes to uh, is that the way things should happen? I feel clubs clubs are club, Clubs that can't make this kind of moves will look at it like, why are they allowed to do that? But like you rightly said, it's not illegal. So I play to them. All right. I want to add a little bit there because I, I could I, I definitely understand that you know that the puzzle family they do it, you know, on a smaller scale. But I feel like if we allow it to happen on a bigger scale, it's gonna corrupt the competition so much. Because that's, if it's possible. If it's possible for them to just do it on such a big scale like that, 
it means that none of these big clubs will have to deal with FFP anymore. As long exactly. as you have, a, you have a relationship with Saudi, you can just tell Allah, okay, you know what? You buy these three players and we'll loan them from you. And, you know, it's the kind of cooperation I... I it's, it's like this. Let me give you an example. There's something I used to do in FM and I be, I be you play FM. What I do is I have this club that I'm managing and sometimes I'll manage on that club. But I manage that club during the transfer period just so I can take use, I can use their resources. Do you understand? So they pay the high fees for whichever player they want, and I get the player out of them. So basically, it's a way of cheating. It's a way of going yeah, around. Of course. It's not <laughs> entirely... Yeah, yeah. It's allowed, but it's, it's a way think of about going it, yeah. the system. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, Dima, you're right, because you think about it. Newcastle probably, if they are going to spend 40, 50 million on Ruben Neves, they would have got them closer to the FFP edge. So you know yeah. what they do? Okay, let's uh, another club buy that Ruben Neves that is not going to be affected by FFP rules. They will come and loan Ruben Neves we're not mm-hmm. we're not buying Ruben Neves for 40 50 million. We're just loaning him. Mm-hmm. You see what you see, see how they've got around it. So to your point, D-Man, like it's not illegal, but they found a way to to bend the rules to work for them. So yeah. it's it's not fair. Sorry, yeah. can I ask something? Yeah, go on. I believe on. PIF owns the top four Saudi clubs. All yes, of them. Yes, they yeah. do. All of yeah. them. All of them. So I mean, if next summer they can decide to send Benzema to to Newcastle. Yes. 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 Easily. This this Easily. summer, not even next summer. This summer, <laughs> they can decide. They can decide the journey that Benzema can decide I want to go to England now, and they can go. Well, you know what? Go to Newcastle. Newcastle is one of our guys too. And if they do that all around the world, it kind of cor- it doesn't make it. It's not fair anymore. Basically, it's not that's as fair. Good, that's not sports watching. It, it's, it's not. It's not really fair anymore. Like the competition is, is really, really damaged if if they begin to do it like that. I mean, do it on a small scale, you can kind of batch your eyes. You know what is this? But if, if trust me, because if Newcastle can do it, there's no reason why Arsenal cannot decide that, okay, so this is the way we're playing ball, no problem. Also, we're going to find our own. And, you know, the chief masters of it, someone like Man City, those ones like, ah, so this is the new way. Uh, you already have clubs. I think Man City already... No, Man City already own, they own Troyes... Yeah, so they can easily game the system that way. They can easily game the system that way. So there are different ways. Yeah, so this guy. So I've always said, I feel like football needs more regulation. The way Yankee sports are, you know, and I'm not, I mean, this is something that I've said in a lot of group chats. The way all these smaller clubs ask for money for players, I think it's ridiculous. I think there needs to be a, there needs to be a certain amount that a player in a position and his contract can cost a club. There needs to be more regulation on that. If you want your players to cost 100 million, that player has to be defined as a star player in your club. Now, when it comes to players that like maybe you have developed from your youth academy and obviously they don't get that star player, um, they don't have that star player contract status and you want to get the most money from them, then yes, there should be, be rules guiding star player, um, star players that maybe their potential is very high. Do you understand? But I feel like we need to put a cap on this because some of these small clubs, the amount of money they mention that they want to collect from you and the amount of money they're actually willing to pay for you from the, for your players is just it's ridiculous. There's I mean, no... Um, sorry. Yeah, go on, Shola. Please. It's like... Yeah, like I, I feel like there needs to be some metrics and some milestones that players should hit 
Yeah. Okay, there's a maximum amount you can maybe sell this player for. Or like, okay, let me give you an example. For example, the NBA, right? Yeah. With their contracts. You can't you can't be get a max contract if you don't hit certain milestones. Like for example, like, like like for example, that's why Jamaran missed out on a supermax because he wasn't eligible for to make to make the all NBA. So that reduced how much he could collect. So like so something like that, like metrics, milestones that can be like, okay, if a player is is in social social categories, you should be able to get a certain up to a certain amount, like 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 a certain amount for him if you want to sell him. But but I agree, like some sort of regulation needs to happen because you have West Ham here demanding hundred million for Declan Rice. Then they make an inquiry with Fulham. Olivia, who's a potential replacement. And Fulham calls out 90 million for Paulinia. Now, this same Fulham make an inquiry with United for Fred. United says, okay, bring 20 million. And Fulham are like, that's too much. Wow. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it's it's it, we we def I, I agree with you. We definitely need more regulation in football, but we'll see how it goes. I mean, I think we've gone up for more than about an hour now, and it's been really enlightening. We've gone through quite a few topics and a number of topics, and we're hoping that by like the next time we talk, maybe in another two weeks, we'll have a lot more time to go over some of the small clubs. You know that I keep saying small clubs, but some of the other Premier League clubs that have made <laughs> that, that have made signings. You know, because if I keep saying small clubs, then what are we supposed to say to Chelsea now? You know, because small this. Maniga, team... you've not won a champion. Oh my days! I right, sorry, Abby. I, I should have done that. Actually, no, I don't care. <laughs> Screw you, man. <laughs> you know, so so yeah. So we will talk a little bit more about what um, the other clubs are doing. Exact someone like Brighton. Now Brighton are brought in two players: Dahoud and Pedro from Watford. Pedro, they brought in for big money, and Milner as well. So they are Milner, making, Yeah, exactly. They are quietly making moves. It looks like they already have a Caicedo replacement. Hopefully, by the time we talk again, more there would have been more movement on Caicedo, and we can, you know, see exactly what club he's is going to, and you know, we'll talk about Chelsea. it more. Chelsea, <laughs> Chelsea. I think so. I think it's going. To I would absolutely love it if we walk away from Mounts and go yeah. for Caicedo, and then Caicedo get is for free. Ah, that um, is my prayer <laughs> that we walk away from this Mount deal. Go for Caicedo and get Mountain for free next summer. Mm. It's uh, very so hard. Not tell me Honestly, if, if <laughs> the, the <laughs> only reason the only reason I'm praying for that is just so that it will fuck with Chelsea. It's very the number one target. It's very hard to fuck with Chelsea the market though, because Chelsea it's have hard. a lot of that's what I'm they saying. Have a lot of, uh, they have a, they have so many good relationships with agents all around, so they get their way. Most of the time, it's very hard. Like you have to be like a proper big club. Well, let's not say proper, but you have to like have money to like you know mess up their plans. So let's see how that goes. Hopefully, we'll have more um to talk about in the next two weeks, and we'll see when we can dive in for uh, our next episode in this summer series. And with that, um, thank you guys for coming, Alex. Thank you for giving us your perspective on Liverpool. Really appreciate that. Um, Habith, Abi, thank you for uh, spending some of your Sunday with us. 
I know you took some straight bullet with Chelsea, but again, thank you for being, <laughs> thank you for being a good sport and for giving us your views. I really appreciate it. And Shola, well, you have a big nose, so thank you for coming through as well. <laughs> no, but seriously, thank you again. I appreciate you guys coming on the podcast. And me, myself, thank, I'm thanking myself as well for coming and making time. It's not easy. Thank you. <laughs> it's not easy, but we make time to come. So you guys, thank you all. And thank you all for listening. And we will catch you on the next one. Goodbye. Till next time. Love. Bye. Bye. Cheers, guys. Bye.